0: The Center for the Developing Child at Harvard University published a paper entitled Eight Things to Remember About Child Development. I want to go over all eight of them. Number one, even infants and young children are affected adversely when significant stresses threaten their family and caregiving environments. Number two, development is a highly interactive process and life outcomes are not determined solely by genes. Number 3. While attachments to their parents are primary, young children can also benefit significantly from relationships with other responsive caregivers both within and outside the family. Next, a great deal of brain architecture is shaped during the first three years after birth, but the window of opportunity for its development does not close on a child's third birthday. Next, severe neglect appears to be at least as great a threat to health and development as physical abuse, possibly even greater. Next, young children who have been exposed to adversity or violence do not invariably develop stress-related disorders or grow up to be violent adults. Next, simply removing a child from a dangerous environment will not automatically reverse the negative impacts of that experience. And in conclusion, Resilience requires relationship, not rugged individualism. Brenda's got a baby. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. This is Stephen Thompson, and this is my experience. This month, I'm doing 31 days of podcasting, and right now, I'm looking at the music of Tupac Shakur. Brenda's got a baby. Brenda's got a baby is the solo debut single by Tupac and the 10th track from his debut album, Tupacalypse Now. The song features R&B singer Dave Hollister. It's about a 12-year-old girl named Brenda who lives in a ghetto and she has a baby that she can't support. The song talks about the issue of teenage pregnancy and its effect on young mothers and their families. This is a song that, like many Tupac songs, talks about the plight of individuals who are impoverished. And Tupac uses Brenda as an example to represent young mothers in general. And he talks about and criticizes just the lack of support from the baby's father, the government, and society in general. In fact, he wrote this song. It was inspired by a article that was in the New York Times in 1991 about a 12-year-old girl who became pregnant and threw her baby in a trash compactor. And here's a little bit of that article from 1991. A newborn baby was rescued from a trash compactor in Brooklyn's neighborhood yesterday morning when two maintenance men heard a baby's cries just as they were about to start the crushing machine's motors, the police said. Detectives said that the mother was a 12-year-old girl who admitted that she had thrown the baby down a trash chute shortly after giving birth in her apartment in the building. The 12-year-old, whose name was not released, had not been charged with a crime last night. The maintenance workers heard the baby's cries at 9.45 a.m. and called the police. A patrol sergeant said he crawled through the compactor's small metal doors and shined a flashlight onto the mound of garbage that was about to be squeezed between the machine's walls. His feet were sticking out from under some newspaper, the sergeant said. There was the baby lying on top of the garbage. He wasn't making a peep when I got there. If the machine had started, the kid was history. The sergeant wrapped the infant in his shirt and handed him to an ambulance crew. The child, with his umbilical cord still attached, was taken to Brookdale Hospital where he was treated for hypothermia, police said. Now, this was in 1991 when this article was written. So that child today is in their late 20s if the child grew up uh, healthy. So it would be in his late 20s. The mother would have was 12 years old at the time, and that mom would be almost 40 years old. So, late 30s. So we're looking at this, and this song, Tupac wrote this, inspired by that story, triggered him to write this song. And the beginning of the song starts like this. I hear Brenda's got a baby. But Brenda's barely got a brain. A darn shame the girl can hardly spell her name. Then there is an interlude where there's a chorus. That's not our problem. That's up to Brenda's family. And Tupac says, well, let me show you how it affects the whole community. Now, Brenda really never knew her moms, and her dad was a junkie. Put death in his arms. It's sad because I bet Brenda doesn't even know. Just because you're in the ghetto doesn't mean you can't grow. And the idea that where you were born limits the amount of impact that you can make. And this statement at the end, he is speaking against that statement. In fact, there were many times in history where people felt that the place where you were born, or the lot that you were born within life, would limit what you could do. But there were other people who pushed up against that idea. In the mid-century at the time, there was religious instruction going on. And they were warning that if you educated slaves, then you would lead to slave rebellions. And there were slave rebellions that occurred in the South. And the religious institutions of the day were blamed for this because they believed that if you taught a slave to read, then the slave would rebel. So every state in the South had outlawed the teaching of reading and writing to enslaved blacks at the time, but there were people who pushed back against that. One example was a woman named Margaret Douglas, and she lived in Virginia, and she was interested in in the religious and moral instruction of African-American children. And she found that Sunday school, where they attended, was not enough. The reading that they did in Sunday school was not enough. So she began to teach free black children to read and write in her home. And she pleaded ignorance to the law. She believed it only applied to the teaching of slaves. The mayor announced that he was going to dismiss her charges. However, a jury chose to indict her. So she was arrested for teaching young African-American children how to read. And she argued that teaching free black children to read had been common practice in the city, Sunday school for years. But because of that, she was thrown into prison for a month as an example to show other people that you should not try to teach any African-American how to read. There was another woman. Her name was Prudence Crandell. And Prudence Crandell was born in September of 1803. And she was educated at a Society of Friends school in Connecticut. And she opened up a school for girls. Now, her school was so popular, she decided to admit an African-American girl. And she was a Quaker. She worked to educate African-American students. And some of the parents were upset that she brought in an African-American girl to be educated alongside the white girls. and. She didn't want to change her policy. She refused to change her policy of educating black and white girls together. So parents began to take children away from the school. So what she did do is along with a man named William Lloyd Garrison and the anti-slavery society in 1833, Crandall opened a school for black girls in Canterbury. People were upset, angry at this woman opening up a school for African-American girls. And they tried to prevent the school from receiving supplies. The school started to attract more and more girls from Boston and Philadelphia. And in fact, the local police began to use laws against the students. It even got so bad that if the girls were caught going to school, they would be whipped, for, they would be whipped 10 times. 1834... Connecticut passed a law making it illegal to provide a free education to black students. Crandall refused to obey the law. She was imprisoned, arrested and imprisoned. She was convicted but won the case on appeal. When news of the court, when that decision that the court made reached the city, a mob attacked the school and threatened the lives of Crandall and her students. Afraid that the children would be killed or badly injured, she decided to shut the school down. Committing to help others grow. There have always been people in the face of opposition who attempted to help other people move forward. Despite the risk to themselves we gotta have a commitment to helping other people move forward. Society does better if we all are moving forward in a positive direction together. And leaving people behind comes at a cost, I think, to our economy, but even more so to our own morality. Song goes on, it says, now Brenda's gotta make her own way. Can't go to her family they won't let her stay no money no babysitter she couldn't get a job she tried to sell crack but end up getting robbed so now what's next there ain't nothing left to sell so she sees sex as a way of leaving hell it's paying the rent so she really can't complain prostitute found slain and Brenda's her name she got a baby now at the end of this we see a very tragic story Brenda has a baby she can't get a job, she can't get a babysitter, her family's not supporting her, she tries to deal drugs and gets robbed, so she sees her last chance is to sell herself, becoming a prostitute. And for a while she's successful as a prostitute. She's paying rent, she's not, can't complain, but then she's killed. They found her dead and when we look at that what we see is yes a person was a victim 12 year old girl impregnated was a victim and trying to make her own way in the world supports have fallen away and even in all that gonna make a last-ditch effort to take care of herself and seeing sex as a way out. And, it, and, and that led to her being killed. So going back to what is needed for child development. Positive relationships being steered in the right direction. Not just thinking that somebody could simply be removed from a dangerous environment. Still, there's the trauma of the situation that you're in. But then, this last item that was listed in the Harvard study, resilience requires relationships, not rugged individualism. I know it's popular for all of us to think that we are self-made, and we could all do it on our own. But a 12-year-old, most of us, need to have support. Let me read you what the study says. Revilience requires relationship, not rugged individualism. And this is from the Harvard Center for the Developing Child. Number eight in the study. The capacity to adapt and thrive despite adversity develops through the interaction of supportive relationships, biological systems, and gene expression. Despite the widespread yet erroneous belief that people need only draw upon some heroic strength of character. Science now tells us that it is the reliable presence of at least one supportive relationship and multiple opportunities for developing effective coping skills that are the essential building blocks for strengthening the capacity to do well in the face of significant adversity. So if you have significant adversity in your life, You need to have relationships. You need to have people there to take care of you, to help you, to support you onto a positive path. You see, scientifically and naturally, we all are going to attempt to move in the direction to help preserve ourselves. Autonomy, mastery, and purpose. That is what Daniel Pink talks about. But when our life is interrupted by adversity... By challenges, we're going to need at least a supportive relationship and somebody to be there for you. Muhammad Yunus is a Bangladesh, a Bangladeshi social entrepreneur, a banker and an economist. And he's also a leader. He won the Nobel Peace Prize for starting what was called the Grameen Bank. And the Grameen Bank has this idea of helping people to get into situations where they can support themselves, but they need resources in order to start a business. So he came up with this concept of microcredit and microfinancing and microloans. And these loans were given to entrepreneurs who were too poor to qualify for traditional bank loans. Not too poor to work, but too poor to qualify for traditional bank loans. And see, there's a difference there. If you have skills, talents, and abilities and you want to work, then getting access to resources and funds is what you need. You need support. So you need support from an organization like the Grameen Bank. The world can be a better place if we carve out a bit of our time and devote it towards the service of others. And what does that look like for you? Well, for me, I try to give financial support to my local faith community. I support a scholarship fund in El Salvador, and I, I give back to... An organization that works with families who are homeless and I try to do that several times a year I try to carve out that space and even in my own career as an educator I'm choosing to work in environments where there are students who need my help so position yourself in your field in your career and make a decision that as a leader you will prioritize giving back you will prioritize giving support to people See, the science says that simply pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is not scientifically sound or correct. Nobody was self-supporting enough where they did everything on their own. You're going to need somebody at some point to intervene to support you. Even those we think are self-made millionaires need somebody to buy their products. You don't come a millionaire without producing some asset that somebody is going to have to support. You may have built it on your own in a lab, but still, someone has to purchase your idea, your assets. So we need each other, and we need to be committed to helping each other. And if we do that, then you will see these situations go away. A woman should never have to make the chat the choice between seeing sex work as her only way out of a bad situation and unfortunately this is not something that you only hear in a song these are choices that women are faced with each and every day can we find ways to give people choices second chances who want to do better who want to better themselves sometimes it could be as simple as lessening the paperwork requirements allowing somebody to just work Produce a project and then hire them, train them, develop them, give them a shot. If somebody wants to work, let them work. And I do believe that there are many people out there who want to work, who want to do their best. But for some reason, life has beaten them down so bad that they can't see their way forward. And if you can't see your way forward after much adversity in your life, you need somebody. Somebody has to stand in the gap and say, hey, I'm going to help pull you up. And we will be better if we choose that. We can't simply say somebody is lazy, somebody's irresponsible. How can we move forward as a society? if some of us don't turn back and help someone out I'm not talking about financially supporting somebody I'm talking about giving somebody a way to move forward what do people always say teach a person how to fish well if you believe in teaching a person how to fish then you need to get with a person and teach them how to fish it's not just a statement it's actually action that's involved in order to teach someone. So, are you about the statement business? Are you about the quote business? Or are you about the teaching business? If you're about the teaching business, then you will make an attempt in your leadership and in your day-to-day to bring someone forward and give back. Because I'm pretty sure that someone did it for you at some point in your career, and you need to remember those who those people are, and if you can, thank them. But nobody got here on their own. Thank you for listening to the Stephen Thompson Experience. What I want you to do right now is I want you to look up at the sky and I want you to say you're thankful. I want you to put your feet on the ground and feel underneath you. Know that you're in a space right now and you are a blessed individual. Then look around at your surroundings and say that you're thankful and appreciative of what you have and what what you've been given. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Bye-bye.